Doughboy Podcast, where we are champions of the common man. I'm your host, Buster Caballero. Thanks for tuning in. We sit down with certified good old boys and discuss how they're doing life, how they're getting by, their tips, their tricks, and getting down to the how to live life right by good old boy standards. So, sit back, relax, fix your cocktail, and let's get to the show. All right, my good old boys out there, we are back. And my guest today, one of my favorite human beings in person, I guess I will say, who I have known uh, 10 years since I moved to Texas here. And has this young man has impressed me every step of the way in what he has done and accomplished. And recently, he took a journey and went across the sea. And I told him, I said, dude, when you're coming back, we are sitting down, and I want to know all about this. So in the studio today, Mr. LJ Del Papa. How are you doing, man? Doing, doing great. How about you? Thanks for thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. I know no. you've been traveling like a... You have been all over, huh? It's been it's been a lot, but it's been uh, it's been awesome. It's been an awesome year. Would would repeat it all over again. So you graduated from Baylor. You're a Baylor Bear sicko. I did sicko uh, bears about a year ago, right? Yes, sir. Last May. Last May. Congratulations. Appreciate it. What'd you, what'd you graduate in? Graduated, like degree? Yeah. Uh, graduated with a BBA in supply chain management. With okay. a minor in corporate communications. All right. Hold on. Let me check the levels. So all you want to do is make sure that you're... Uh, want to get a pretty big peak on there like that. So Gotcha. So sit, oh, so sit closer. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Feel free to talk up a little bit. So. <laughs> gotcha. It's okay. Oh. Okay. Uh, so for that, and we're going to get to where that degree is going to come into yeah, play. Yeah. But unlike most students, you know, where you know some say, "Well, I'm going to get a job right away," mm-hmm. or "I'm going to take a gap year." You have taken a very interesting year. Yeah. And this backs up to even going from your childhood and how you spent summers and everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it started out uh, so. I just spent this past year uh, attending the Canacook Institute, which is, uh, like you said, it's a gap year program, but not your traditional gap year no, program. No. It's, a, it's a leadership and discipleship training program really designed to uh, equip post-college students, like post-graduate uh, college students with a, a strong biblical and leadership foundation before going into the working world. So kind of like a casual seminary program where you're not necessarily not everyone's going to be a minister you definitely can go into ministry out of it but do do a lot of people do this oh and yeah go into ministry like go into ministry right after yeah yeah so a cool thing about the institute is you can earn half your seminary credit just by attending the institute or maybe not half that might be a little much but you can you can get a good chunk under your yeah belt. you can get a good chunk like a third or a fourth or whatever and so like if i wanted to technically like since i've graduated now i could go to Dallas Theological Seminary in Dallas online or, you know, they have all mm-hmm. the Southwestern, whatever. And I could finish my seminary credit if I wanted to, because um, I've already, I've already started it. Um, but yeah, so that's just kind of a cool, unique thing about the program. Now, Canacook is, and, and I had no idea about this place, and but it's, it's very ingrained in you and your sister's lives. And when I've talked to a few people about this, it's, it's, amazing that i i didn't know about this place but 
So the Canacook Institute, located in Branson, Missouri. Branson, Missouri. Hillbilly Vegas. Dude, Branson's beautiful. It's so beautiful. I, I was so pumped the first time I went there, and yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, this place is fun as can be. So you, you hadn't been until my sister got engaged. Right. Okay. And I had never been, and the only mention I've heard of Branson is there's a clip in The Simpsons where there's Bart Simpson and Milhouse and no Nelson way. and uh, the little nerdy one. Or dr- they stole a car and they're driving and they're like, "What is this place?" And uh, Bart Simpson goes, "Branson, Missouri." My dad said it'd be like if Ned Flanders ran hell because it was like so, <laughs> it's it's such a wholesome environment, it's pretty you accurate, know? and it's it's so. But it's it's a great area. It's so nice. There's so much to do, so much to see. Then you've got like the Bass Pro, mm-hmm. Top of the Rock, mm-hmm. number one rated driving course, mm-hmm. driving range out there. I mean, there's so much, but nestled in the hills of Branson, Missouri, is the Canacook Institute. Mm-hmm. And how long, at what age did you start going there? Or how, how do we shape this? Yeah, so that yeah, yeah. The, so if, if you're listening to this right now, and I've always said good old boys, they have a good spiritual faith background. They believe in something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, I don't care if it's Catholic, Baptist, non-denominational, mm-hmm. whiskey paleon, snake healer, or something <laughs> like that. They believe in the Lord. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And so, uh, and, and so if you have kids and you're looking for an experience, say, man, I want to send my kids to somewhere. Yeah. Explain the Institute. Yeah. So the Institute, the Kinnecook Institute is kind of separate its own individual like program um, kind of by itself. Um, it started, it's kind of a branch out of Kennecut camps. And so mm-hmm. Kennecut camps is a, you know, it's a, it's a summer camp. And me and my sister grew up every summer since we were about, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade. Nah, fourth might be a little young, fifth or sixth grade mm-hmm. going to Kennecut in the summers. Um, and so, Canacut camps has, you know, they have six different camps in the Branson area mm-hmm. um, or just in the Ozark area. And uh, it's a Christian athletics camp. And so um, our mom sent us to those camps uh, from a pretty early age. And every summer, pretty much throughout high school, we, I feel like that's where we got exposed to just a lot of spiritual, you know, maturity mm-hmm. and uh, really started to grow and take strides in our faith just by being campers to the point to where we both knew when we got to college, we wanted to work as counselors or my sister, she worked in the kitchen all four summers of college, which she absolutely loved. Um, I know when we got there, I remember hearing about her being in the kitchen Yeah, and she's like, yeah, in in Branson, Missouri and all this stuff. And I'm just like thinking, I'm like, I'm I'm going back to salute your shorts. (laughs) Do you remember that? Uh -uh. Oh God. So I'm old. So it, it was this show where like kids are at this summer camp and all this, and mm. they're living in cabins and all the activities and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's what I'm referencing before, I'm I, before I went there and saw yeah. it. I'm trying to think. There was one movie that we kept watching in, when we were younger growing up. It was about a summer camp, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a National Lampoon's movie, but it was like, it was kind of like Christmas Vacation, but summer mm-hmm. themed. Um, hmm. I don't know if you. I cannot remember. It's like camp. Oh, camp nowhere. Have you oh, seen that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Camp nowhere. It's like so. That's kind of like. I guess if anyone's listening, if you can picture camp nowhere, no, yeah. But with like, it was like they literally had everything that camp nowhere had, just with a lot more structure. Yeah, because I'm thinking like primitive out in the middle of the woods, and it's like, oh no, this place is like stacked. Mm-hmm. And then 
So they have the and, and you go in two weeks for two or three weeks or how long do you go there? So it depends on the camp. Like some camps have week long terms where mm-hmm. you only go for a week. Uh, the camp that I worked at um, when I was on staff, uh, you go for two weeks. But then there's other camps. Like I think there's two other camps where you have the option to go for two weeks or a month. So you can go up to a month long if you want to as a camp. The boys are going for a month. Let me tell you. <laughs> I wanted to go for a month. I really did. I don't think my mom wanted me to be away from home that long, but <laughs> I feel like I could have gone for a month. And just... Oh, let them go for two weeks, go up there, visit, <laughs> make sure they're okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so so you grew up, you, you did that camp, and beautiful place, mm-hmm. lots of fun things there. There's boats, there's mm-hmm. uh, slides, there's rafts, there's all kind of, it's a great environment. And then they also do the, like a family camp, right? Yeah, yeah. So they have, uh, so I mentioned earlier, they have six camps. Yeah. And of those six, one of those camps is a family camp uh, called Cape Kauai. And mm-hmm. um, that's actually where, when it's not summer, during the the academic months that's where the Kinnecook institute is housed mm-hmm. and so um so yeah i basically just got back from living at the family camp for eight months nice. so it was awesome and again and that's not a that's not a typical step you take mm-hmm. so what now i know your sister did that mm-hmm. do, do the weebies run that one no they don't okay <laughs> gotta they give don't. a shout out to the weebies oh gotta so give a shout out to the weebies oh, absolutely man, there are some great people there running that camp. They're still running mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah, so they run, the Weebies run K-West, okay. which is the camp that my sister worked at, that I worked at. And you were a doc daddy, right? I was not a doc daddy. Weston, what? my sister's husband, he was, he was a, doc a doc daddy. daddy. What, what so were I, you? I was a counselor for my first two summers on staff. Okay. Uh, skipped a summer to do an internship, and then I came back for a fourth summer, um, and I was on leadership, and I was the athletic director and safety mm. officer. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I remember my uh my boss was saying that, Hey, I'm taking my uh my kids up to camp and I'm like, Where y'all going? He goes, Oh, it's this place in Branson. And I was like, Canacook? And no he was way. like, How do you know about Canacook? I was like, Well, my my cousins are there. Yeah, wait, I remember you yeah, telling me about and, that. Uh, I asked him, I was like, Well, ask him if they know Kaylin and LJ and yeah, she knew LJ. Yeah, because they were they were at K West. <laughs> yeah, 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 they were there yeah, at the yeah. same time. So oh uh, Was that this past summer? Uh no, that was a few summers ago. Okay. Because you were, you, I don't think you were working. I don't think it, I was, it was the, recently. Yeah, I don't, okay. It was like one of the last times you were working there or something. So, so, oh, so maybe it was this past summer. Maybe so. Wow. Oh. Dang. Time, dude, it slipped by so <laughs> I know, fast. yeah, I'm, I'm learning that really quick. So what is the, what's the curriculum for this leadership, uh, for, for the Institute now? Mm-hmm. So you graduate from college mm-hmm. and then you go into this program to be a leader and have a strong spiritual background and faith in it mm-hmm. what does it entail what is it you you brought your binder here i know i saw it uh, yeah, yeah yeah what so what does this entail what is this all so yeah i mean it's basically um you cover the bible from cover to cover um mm-hmm. you start out in the beginning of the year or yeah we started out in the beginning of the year <laughs> in the beginning in the beginning exactly <laughs> literally in the beginning you genesis start at genesis one. you start at genesis and you go all the way to revelation you do one of the first projects we do is the bible overview project uh-huh. and basically what that is is in a span of you know maybe 6 weeks you cover the whole story of the bible from genesis through revelation and you have to tell it in 30 minutes like that's the final at the Christmas break is you have to be able to tell the Bible overview or you have to be able to tell an overview of the Bible in under 30 minutes. Um, oh, wow. Which is, 
very intimidating when you first sound it out, like when you first kind of hear it, but going through it, learning about it, it was a blast. And it was honestly, I learned so much and I've been, you know, I've been a Christian ever since pretty, ever since a young age. And I've, Mm -hmm. you know, read the Bible throughout high school, throughout college, but going over the Bible, like just learning the overview of the Bible Mm -hmm. laid such a foundation to build upon for the rest of the year that it just blew my mind in so many different ways. And so, because, and I don't know, like a lot of people think, you know, the Bible is just a bunch of random books put together when in reality, it's all one story. It's all one story that in the Old Testament leads to the New Testament. And because the Old Testament predicts the New Testament. Exactly. And then the New Testament is the culmination of all the the predictions from the Old Testament. Exactly, yeah. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Yeah. And everything in the Old Testament is pointing to, you know, the pinnacle of the New Testament, which is the person of Christ coming. So when you started this out and you're 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 going this and now you've got to tell this whole story in 30 minutes. I mean, God, I'm trying to imagine like it's like, okay, and then David killed Goliath, but here's how the thing worked out before. Because then yeah. they would have to go over here, and then, you know. So, yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that's a lot. So, as you said, you know, you've read the Bible. You've always studied it and everything. Did it change your interpretation of hmm. what you've known, or did it reinforce it? Or did you say, like, man, I, I kind of, I was right church, wrong pew. I guess is it like, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say a little bit of both. Okay. Um, like it basically what the, what the overview project did really, it gave a lot of context mm-hmm. to what I was reading and to what, um, I had grown up reading for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear, you grew up, you know, you read the story of Jonah, but where in the storyline from like when creation happens yeah. to when Christ comes, does Jonah happen? Um, and it's like, so you just lay that in the context of it. Um, Jonah was Old Testament, right? Jonah was Old Testament. Yeah. Okay, and so just like it just gave so much more context. And before mm-hmm. Jonah, you know, you have the order. Basically, you have you know from Adam to Noah to Abraham to you know Isaac to Jacob. Just literally laying out these key biblical mm-hmm. themes, like, and they're all lead up to the person of Christ. Like one of the coolest things, like. Yeah, I could talk so much about just the Bible overview itself, but it just laid such a foundation to continue to build upon. And one of the coolest things that I learned throughout the Bible overview project was uh, that just the topic of typology, which was one of the most mind-blowing things. And typology is basically a fancy way of saying everywhere in the Old Testament that Christ was predicted, like in the Old Testament, because okay. Christ comes, but you don't really pay attention to everywhere in the Old Testament that literally predicts Christ coming. And so just one quick example, the story of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically Abraham has Isaac. And right, when he's 100 years old. Yes, when he's 100 years old, which is another testament to faith because mm-hmm. God had promised Abraham. Abraham a son. Yeah, exactly. God. Sarah was... Dude, we just heard this. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Show. No, yeah. So keep I'm going, keep it. going. So Sarah, Sarah was very old too mm-hmm. and she had a... She had Isaac. Mm-hmm. Well, not yet. Later on, later after on. they, after God told Abraham, "Take your people, take everything, and mm-hmm. move to here," because mm-hmm. I will promise you this. And so everybody left with Abraham, mm-hmm. and his dad. But his dad fell off. He was like, "I'm done. I'm not following you anymore." Mm-hmm. And then Sarah ended up becoming his wife. And when he was like a hundred, Sarah was still old too, mm-hmm. and they had Isaac. Mm-hmm. Am I right? 
Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. There's one kind of what word did I miss. <laughs> you didn't miss anything. You got everything right. Um, Boom. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could go to the institute. I would um, love to. That. The, oh, I mean, anyone could. Um, I think one of our one of the people on staff. She was like 40 years old when she went when she first came around. Wow. Um, but yeah, but that's a side note. But yeah, so basically, just going back to typology and like how this is okay. a really cool thing. So yeah, Abraham, um, super old. He and his wife. God promises Abraham a son. X amount of years goes by and he's like, all right, well, and Sarah's like super old. She's the scripture says she's barren. She's unable to have mm-hmm. kids. And so she's like, all right, well sleep with my maidservant. So yeah. that way you can have a kid. They have Ishmael yeah. and God and Abraham's like, God, this must be the promised son. God's like, no, no. I promised you a son by your own wife. So then they're like a hundred years old. Sarah actually laughed at this. Like, there's no way I'm not going to have a kid. And God's like, um, I think it's Genesis uh, 24 or something, but he's just like, um, God literally says, why did Sarah laugh? Am I a God who's unable to do what I said I would yeah. do? And literally the next year, Sarah has a kid at that age and it's Isaac, the son mm. of the promise. And so, so then fast forward a little bit, getting back to what I was saying about typology. Mm-hmm. God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son on top of Mount Moriah. Mm-hmm. And so Abraham being obedient to God, because he's basically been obedient to God at all the way up to this point. Right. He's, and he, he's gotten everything God has promised yeah, him. Absolutely. He's, he's gotten his people free. He's gotten his son that he was promised that is hundred something years old. Here's your son. Mm-hmm. Exa- kill him. Exactly. And he says, to, he says to sacrifice him. He says to lay him down as a sacrifice to me. He says, this is interesting. He says, go and sac your only begotten son whom you love. But Abraham doesn't have one son. God says, go and sacrifice your only son. Abraham has two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Now, I, now Ishmael at this point, Abraham's kind of mm-hmm. like sent him and his mom on their yeah. own way. So now technically Abraham does only have one son right now, but he has two sons and God emphasizes the fact that no, go and, go and sacrifice your only begotten son. Now stop right there. What does that sound like? Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there's that's that's just one. I'm going to give you my one and only begotten son. Exactly. Of Jesus. But it gets so much better because Abraham and Isaac begin marching up the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Isaac, the begotten son, carrying, carrying the wood. Yeah. And another foreshadow to Christ, how he would be the son carrying yeah. the wood. Um, another point, you get to the top. Oh, this is the same mountain that Christ would be crucified on. Really? Mm-hmm. Mount Moriah, it's the same mountain range okay. where the temple would be built on and in the same place where Christ would be. So there you have, you have the only begotten son carrying wood up the same mountain that um, I think it's, 2000 years later that would Christ would ultimately mm-hmm. um be crucified yeah. on. So just that's just now that's just one example. We took a period of a whole maybe 2 weeks to study every yeah, occurrence right. in the Old Testament that predicts and there's still some that I haven't come across. I I've, I've I've heard that story. I recently heard that story on Sunday. Yeah. Because it was talking about, you oh, know, yeah. like God's going to give you all these wonderful things, but how much are you going to listen to him and be devoted when he says, now I want you to do, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to give you all these wonderful things and I get rid of them. Yeah. And what do you say? Uh, I'm okay, but he did it. Mm-hmm. And it was a test. Yeah. So we're always being tested, but I've never thought of it like as in that illusion. Yeah. Exactly. So like, yeah, just to get to the, wow. just to fast forward to the end of that story real quick, you know, Abraham gets to the top. Isaac says, father, where's the lamb? Abraham says, God will provide. Mm-hmm. Gets to the point where he's about to like, he hold, he's basically holding, holding the, knife the knife over yeah. Isaac about to sacrifice him. God stops him and saying, Hey, I was testing you. 
you you passed, yeah. and then God provides. A, you see, it's, Scripture says there was a ram stuck in the thicket behind them, and so God provided the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Now again, foreshadowing to God provides right. the sacrifice for us because we're all sinners. We all deserve to be the ones who are going to yeah. be sacrificed, but. God provides Christ to be our substitute, just like he God. provided a substitute um, way back in the beginning of Abraham. Yeah. And that's that's really where the story starts. It starts in the Garden of Eden, but the story of Abraham is really the beginning of that foundation. Because that was one of the first things we studied. We studied a whole, we did a precept study, which yeah. is basically an in-depth uh, inductive Bible study over the Abrahamic covenant and the story of Abraham. And it just blew my mind. I'm I'm just... I'm blown right now in thinking about this, and I'm like, man, because, you know, recently just started getting a little more in-depth with my study and my wife's study and what we're doing and what we're listening to and the interpretation, and it's like some of the things that we're catching now, it's like, oh, man. Yeah. Totally, totally missed that. So what are some some of the things that y'all are studying right now? Um, You know, it's it's going more towards like your calling and your faith and being tempted and the sacrifice and what what you're going through uh you know and it facing the most recent one was just about facing challenges and going in that direction and understanding like if you're if you're praying to God for something mm-hmm. it's not going to come easily mm-hmm. you're going to be tested it's going to be hard it's going to be you're going to be challenged but you have to have faith to keep going such as like whenever uh, Moses led the uh, Egyptians, the uh, the Jewish people out of Egypt, mm-hmm. and he's talking about it's like where they wandered for forty years, mm-hmm. and then during that time, you know they they got the Ten Commandments. There were some problems. Mm-hmm. Moses was trying to keep everyone in realization that they were seventeen days away from the Promised Land, mm-hmm. but they stayed there for forty years, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man. Am I staying where I'm supposed to, mm, or do I good. need to? That's good. You know, so there's a lot of things that, and, and going on where I'm like, man, I, I just gotta, tr- I gotta trust God with that. Things happen for a reason. Things get pushed. Of uh, having that faith in it, you know, mm-hmm. and like I'm not in control. So yeah. when I want something to happen, but it's not happening. Uh, the most recent one, he said, like, look, God's never early, mm. but He's also never late. Mm. So when it happens, it happens. So that that's been one of the most like eye-opening things. Like you're gonna have to go through struggle. You're gonna go have to go through pain. And the best analogy that was brought to me on this was like, imagine going up a mountain, mm-hmm. and you're you're going in a circle up the mountain, mm-hmm. and it's gonna take a long time, and it's hard, and you're gonna run into things. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna get further up the mountain, and you're gonna face harder things. But it's not gonna last as long. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to last as long. Mm-hmm. Finally, you get to the top of the mountain, and you've prepared yourself. Now, here's the thing: you got to go back down the mountain, mm-hmm. and you got to go back up another mountain. And, and it's it really was relevant to me. And I think nowadays, a lot of people want to be a lot of people want to be Christians. A lot of people want to be faithful. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to be. A lot of people think they're doing really good work, but man. They've got some people out there that know how to talk it and know how to explain it and be relevant. Mm-hmm. Like just what you said right there. I I don't I've read the Bible. I know some of the stories. I know yeah. some of the things. But I'm not as in depth with that. Oh yeah. Which is missing. Mm-hmm. 
people, and I think people want to know this, and people want to, and that's why I know people are, some people are always like, oh, you know, you're just believing old stories. You got to believe in something mm-hmm. to have that. God, man, dude, now you got me questioning some things. Um, I, I love it, but now I got to go do some reading shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome, dude. I mean, like, and like, I think so much of what you just said, I mean, when you look at the story of scripture, yeah, um, it's like, that is the theme of the Bible of like, you know, like, you know, going past Abraham, like Abraham, like you said earlier, literally yeah. called away from a place that he knew away from his family, away from everything to go and to a place where he had no idea where he was going, but he was, he had one choice, either I'm going to be mm-hmm. faithful or I'm not going to be faithful. Yeah. Um, and, um, but, and in nowadays, how many times are you called to do something, but your friends or your family are like, oh, I don't think you should do that. Mm-hmm. But it's like telling you, mm-hmm. like, oh, I should really do that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because me growing up. Or at up, least I'm going to do this. Yes. Yeah. I, I know I'm sh- I should do this, but I don't think I'm going to go do that. So at least I do this instead. Yeah. And it's like, uh-uh. Mm-mm. You, you, you got to do the other thing. Mm-hmm. That That's what you're being called for. That's, exactly, yeah. You know, in it's a hard concept to grasp. Oh, absolutely. It's a very difficult one to say, like, I'm not in control. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, another huge, huge thing that I personally learned this year or that I grew more confident in is just the fact that the Lord is sovereign, that Mm -hmm. no matter what happens, the Lord is good. Romans 8, 28, Mm -hmm. you know, a verse that I've heard my whole life, but really resonated with me this year because I read it in a different context, going back to what I was saying Mm -hmm. earlier. For God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him, those Mm -hmm. who are called according to his purposes. Um, now, like literally, let's dissect that real quick. For God causes yeah. all things, causes what? All, all things, things to work together for the good of those who love him. Now that good, we often want to, twi- like, we also want to like focus in on that good. Oh, God's yeah. going to cause everything for good. Okay, no, everything's no, no, going no, no, no. to work out for me. It's not necessarily our good. No. It's God's good. And if we're truly his obedient children and we want to, you know, love and serve him with our whole lives, then He's his, gonna... his good is ultimately what we should want. Yeah. I mean, yes, now God... God cares for us and God loves us. And, you know, scripture also reinforces the fact over and over again that he is for us, not against us, and that he loves us. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't have sent his only son to die on the cross for us. Mm-hmm. So we can be confident that he loves us. Yeah. But he's going to ultimately, you know, he's going to cause all things to work together for good. And it's not all, and ultimately his good is our good. And it now would it also be safe to say you think that some bad may bring you to the good? Absolutely. Good. Jesus promises that. Yeah. John uh, sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, flat out says, you know, in this in this life you will have tri- you will have trial and tribulation. Mm-hmm. But then the second half of that verse, take heart for I have overcome the world. Yes. So he promises us there. Hey, like you this- ain't going to go through anything as bad as what my son did. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're gonna be okay, Nancy. Absolutely. That's just well, <laughs> no. <I'm- Yeah. laughs> Like, there's oh, an Nancy in the Bible, actually. Really? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you should know. <laughs> I doubt it. No, there's not. <laughs> not that I've come across. <laughs> and we're going to read from the book of Nancy. <laughs> no. But that's, that, that's, that's the other thing uh, I think people don't understand is part of life, there's a struggle. Yeah. And it's, uh, I was listening to another, it was funny because I was listening to a, another podcast and the guy that was doing it was Andy Frisella. And he says, you know, nowadays people want to go around telling you, oh, it's okay. You should feel good. Mm-hmm. You should feel uh, accomplished. You should feel 
this. And he says, no, you shouldn't Mm -hmm. because you haven't done anything to earn that. Mm -hmm. You haven't done anything to feel like I've overcome things like, oh, no, you shouldn't make me feel bad because I should just feel good all the time. Mm -hmm. No, you should. There's going to be some stuff. There's going to be some bad stuff that's going to happen. Absolutely. How are you challenged? How are you? How do you face it? How do you go about it? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a really... That's a big component missing today. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh my God, somebody said something bad about me. Everybody needs to rally behind me. It's like, no, maybe you just need to listen to what that person's saying. Maybe you need to just blow them off or ignore them, but nothing's owed to you on it. Yeah. Maybe they say it for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that whole everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. comes into play. Yeah, absolutely. That's Romans eight twenty eight for me, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. So we, we well we kind of started breaking that down, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Did we complete it or uh, complete what? Romans. Oh, breaking that one. Yeah. Let's uh, see. For God just... causes all things to work yeah. together for good of those who love Him. So then, yeah, you got to ask yourself, all right, do I love God? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, everyone's going to say yes at first. Okay, but do you really love God? And yeah. how do you reflect? How do you know you love God? Like how do you how do you, what, how do you show it? Yeah, how do you show it? How do, do your actions reflect that you love God? And do the choices that you make on a daily basis reflect that you love God? And do you love God only at the easy times? Mm-hmm, absolutely, absolutely. Or because it's love, easy it's easy to love God in the easy yeah. times. Um, one of my favorite quotes um, that I heard this year um, it was from the Institute President Keith Chancy, but um, you know he was kind of drawing the comparison to. Uh, the Israelites in mm-hmm. the Old Testament and how, you know, they were given the law in Exodus, Deuteronomy, and, you know, that law um, required them to do, you know, a lot of sacrifices and a lot of things to mm-hmm. atone for their sin. And so they would do, they would follow the law, they, they would try their best to follow the law, but then they would still turn around and sin. So it's like, hey, okay, yeah. I'm going to keep on sinning. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to keep on sinning and doing my life, but hey, at least I, I, but I'm still doing this. I'm still doing what you asked me to do. And, but, yeah, but that's not the whole thing. Yeah. Like one of so my favorite quote that Keith said, um, you know, God doesn't care about your sacrifices. He cares about your obedience. And he wants, like, that's what ultimately what God wants. God doesn't want our sacrifices. He wants our obedience. Mm-hmm. You know, he, the whole reason he had to give us the law was because we were sinful to begin with. Yeah. And, you know, go back to Genesis three. Who's the first one? Like, whose fault is it that we sinned? It's ours ultimately. Ours. And so. Own your mistakes. Exactly. Yeah. And that yeah. builds... That builds humility, that just, you know, continues to, um, you know, goes back to John 16, 33, how like Jesus literally promises us that we're going to have trials and we're going to have to go through mm-hmm. hard stuff. But are we going to make the choice to take heart in him? Or are we going to, you know? Yeah. To have that faith to say like, you know, I'm trying to think. You know, just just anything in life, you know, you and your spouse are fighting, you know, your kid does bad in school. Uh, your your truck breaks down. Your, you know, at that point, I'm gonna say, okay, God, you know, you you've done this for a reason. Mm-hmm. Where you, some people might look at, oh, my truck broke. Darn, now I'm late and all this stuff. God, why are you allowing me to have happen? Instead of saying like, well, God, you you want me here at this point for a reason. Mm-hmm. My truck broke down for a reason. Mm-hmm. I'm here. What didn't happen to you? Mm-hmm. If you would have done another thing, mm-hmm. so. That's that's kind of the way I look at it. Like yeah. even in the bad times, man, just be patient. Yeah, it is all. It, it has all not to been revealed yet. Yeah, and a lot of people like to ask. I mean, I feel like one of the biggest questions that people today ask is like, "Well, if God's so good, why would He call? Why would He allow all this evil to happen?" 
well, if you weren't, and a lot of times people ask that when they're in hard times, well, yeah. if, if you hadn't encountered this trial, if you weren't in this hard time right now, would you even be asking that? Mm-hmm. Would you even be asking yeah. God? Would you even be asking about God? So, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of reasons I feel like, you know, I can go into more of it later, but there's a lot of reasons why I feel like, you know, God allows these things to happen in our lives. But I feel like, you know, a main one is to, hey, he gets our, he does it to get our attention mm-hmm. and he does it to see which way are we going to turn? Are we going to turn yeah. to him? Or are we going to try and handle it on our own? Somebody's going to present, somebody's going to present you with an evil choice mm-hmm. and you're going to make that choice that either like, oh, this, this happened to me or is that God testing you? Mm-hmm. And is that, or is that Satan testing you? Let me ask, let me ask you this. Do you know, do y'all, did y'all really go over and study the, like the influence of Satan on Mm. the people and Mm -hmm. yeah we did so the second semester of the of the year we did um we wrote belief statements Uh um and so we wrote a belief we wrote 10 belief statements throughout the last four months of the program each belief statement covering a um uh a doctrine of the church basically and Uh so one of those belief statements was over angels satan and demons and so we really honed in and looked at the character of satan um kind of just you know who is he where did he come Mm -hmm. from um and so yeah we looked at i'm I'm sorry i forget what your question original question was but just just about satan's influence and how you know it's it's masked as god's inefficient god's either not i don't want to say his inability but his like you go back to saying oh how can god let good thing Mm -hmm. bad things happen Mm -hmm. it's not god letting bad things happen Mm -hmm. it's satan taking control of people and trying to influence you Mm -hmm. oh yeah and and i I was pulling up my phone because uh one of the notes that i had from church this past week uh is let's see where is if you aren't getting resistance from the devil you may be moving in the direction of the enemy Trying to think if you aren't moving. Wait, say that one more time. If you aren't getting resistance from the devil, you may be moving in the direction of the enemy. So where I see you're what, going, I see what that's saying, yeah. like if you're if, if you're trying to do something mm-hmm. and you're meeting resistance or you're experiencing it's like God, it's it's just against me. Everything's against me. Mm-hmm. You're doing something to be better, mm-hmm. and you're meeting this resistance. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're like, oh, I'm trying to do this, but oh, it's so easy. It's yeah, it's, it's just like right. Oh, are you? Really is there any resistance there? Yeah, yeah. There's a resistance there, and that that like hit me, and I was like, ooh, yeah. And I and I, I definitely see what that's saying. I think one thing that, um, I think one thing that I like think of when I hear that is like you know the difference between you know God's character and Satan's character. You know, God is omnipresent; He is mm-hmm. everywhere at all times. Satan's not. Satan's mm-hmm. not necessarily omnipresent. So his presence isn't necessarily like, you know, honing in on you and me right now. Yeah. Um, like God's is, um, or like I believe God's is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I think there's definitely times when, uh, Satan can be present and attack yeah. and try to deter us. Um, you know, but at the same time, I feel like the more that we trust the Lord and, you know, what did Jesus say? Like Jesus, when, when Jesus was literally tempted by Satan mm-hmm. in the desert, um, Jesus said away from me, Satan, and Satan yeah. departed, Satan fleed. So, you know, yeah. I feel like, you know, Satan's ultimately going to run away from God. Satan is the prince of the power of the world. Ephesians 2 talks about that, you know, how he is literally in this world and he is ruling. First John also talks about how he is, you know, basically ruling over the whole world. Um, now, not necessarily ruling, he just, he has influence. 
I'll tell okay. you, I'll say it that way. He has influence in the world. Um, you know, cause he is, he is ultimately the author of sin. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he was the first to sin, um, way back in the beginning before the garden of Eden. Okay. Um, so when that happened, God cast him down to the world and then he, he's the one who tempted Adam and Eve. And then ever since then, that's how sin's grown. What was his, uh, and then 38 years old, mm-hmm. what was his action that caused him to be banished? Pride. Pride? His fir- the first sin um, was pride because um, he wanted to be like God. Yeah. He wanted like, that was, that was only, he was, cre- he was an angel. Yeah. He was an angel created by God. He was a cherubim. Scripture says, mm-hmm. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but um, he was a cherubim. And basically there's, I'm going to sound like a nerd. There's, there's, no, there's down. a couple, there's like, you know, when you look at angels, there's a couple of different classifications of angels. There's, mm-hmm. you know, three main ones and cherubim were the ones that were like, kind of like guardians. Mm-hmm. So like, when you think back, the easiest example I can think of when Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden of Eden, mm-hmm. God sent a cherubim to guard the entrance of the garden, mm-hmm. basically to prevent anyone from coming in. So Satan was originally a cherubim. Okay. Um, and then he wanted to be like God. Um, and then God saw that God cast him down to the earth as a result of that sin. But his, his wanting to be like God was pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's Isaiah 19. And it's still an influential sin nowadays. Oh, absolutely. Pride. I mean, you, I mean, the just, original, the original sin was pride. Oh, now, how, now, how often do we struggle with that? All the time. Every dude. single day. <laughs> dude, be, I mean, just in the society nowadays, pride, I'm going to, you know, got to keep up with the Joneses. They went on a vacation. So now I got to, we have to go on a vacation or they have this, we have to go on that. And keeping up with it and, and, you know where you where you're just you're not living your life you're oh and that's that might be something to where you say you know pride of wanting to be like god so now you're idolizing the wrong person and trying to be like that also and then you put your own house in a in a complete mess up so absolutely maybe maybe that's something to it and, and but that's the man that's there's so much to it, and I think faith is something that people just have, really should have. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There are people who are agnostic and don't believe, and okay, you know, I'll pray for you on that one. But yeah, so what you're looking try- for? I was trying to find. I was trying to find where that. Um, I know I have it marked, but I can't think of it right now off the top of my head. I was trying to find that um, the fall of Satan. Okay. Um, it talks about it in Isaiah, and it talks about it in Ezekiel, and so. Um, there's two chapters in those two books of the Bible that talk about literally the beginning of Satan and him falling. Mm-hmm. What do you think about nowadays where you have people saying like, Oh, the end of the world is upon us and all these signs and <laughs> symbols and it's, you know, yeah, no, it's, I see where they get it from. Yeah. So we took a whole week and studied the book of revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never read Re- revelation in my life, um, mm-hmm. but Debbie Joe white. So the president of Kennecuck as a whole is Joe white. Um, he's the president of the camps mm-hmm. and, uh, his wife, Debbie Joe, is one of the best teachers I've ever heard. She came and taught us Revelation for a whole week. And, um, I mean, yeah, like it's hard. I mean, when you look at the, the evidence, mm-hmm. well, when you look at what scripture says mm-hmm. of what the prediction is, and I wouldn't say it's a prediction, I would say it's just, you know, hey, these is because this is the revelation that was given to John who wrote the who wrote Revelation. Mm-hmm. This is the revelation given to him, and this is what the world's going to look like. Um, and you don't even see that in Revelation. You know, Daniel, which is written over you know hundred years before Christ even mm-hmm. comes, 
um, Daniel speaks of the same thing. So the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation really go hand in hand. Okay. Um, the book of Daniel is basically the commentary for Revelation, and you could say the same thing about Revelation to Daniel. Mm. Um, when Jesus was here, he says a couple of different, like he gives reference to what the end times are going to look like. Um, and then already in the book, uh, what is it? I think it's the book of James um, or one of the Corinthians that literally talks about what the last days are going to look like. Now, the last days don't necessarily mean, you know, the the end time, like mm-hmm. the literal end times. The last days really began when cru- when Jesus was crucified two thousand mm-hmm. years ago, um, and so, or I'm sorry, yeah, a little love of two thousand years ago, um, and so basically from that point on until now, um, we are in the last days until okay. Christ comes back, um, and there's you know even within the context of the Bible, there's debate. Yeah. Right, what does this mean? And, you know, where do I land in regards to that? You know, I've heard there's a couple of different views. There's, you know, premillennialism, you know, post, uh, there's, there's a lot of different things that I probably won't go into right now, but um, it's it's interesting. It's really interesting. So, man. We could do a whole other podcast. We could do a whole other podcast on Revelation, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we probably could. But I, I, I wanted to ask, too, about... And one of the reasons I wanted to I wanted to know about this one, but the other one is, dude, you recently took a trip. Yes, that went along with this. Yeah, this is what start. This is what sparked this whole thing. Yeah, and tell me about your trip. How did? Yeah. So you went to you went to Israel, right? Went to, went to Israel, yes, sir. And so you you studied this book, number one bestseller of all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Factually then, accurate too. And then you you get to go to the place where it's like, oh, here's where all the everything's mentioned about. Mm-hmm. You know, the Villa de la Rosa, where Jesus took his final steps through. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Or is am I saying it right? The Villa de Rosa? Or, Villa de Rosa. Or the... Not, not sure if that off the top of my head. I mean, I mean, you could be right. I just couldn't. Maybe I've never heard of it. I might have to Google this. <laughs> do it um so yeah no while you look that up yeah we went to we went to israel and especially we that was our spring break trip um about halfway through the second semester and after especially after doing the bible overview project Uh going to um you know the place where it all began uh in israel was um a trip that i don't know if i ever could repeat um and, and especially in that way of being exposed to it for the first time, I hope and pray that I get to go back, um, that, you know, one day, yeah, come with me, please. Uh, because, you know, and I was hearing from a lot of different people, um, you know, just going there. Oh, when you go, like you, the Bible comes to life, you get to, you know, when you read it, you never read it the same. And I was like, what does that even mean? And now I know, like, I'm not trying to sound cliche when I say no. that, but like, I mean, it's real, like, it's true. Um, you know, when we were doing the Bible overview, one of the things was like, you know, well, how do we even know the Bible's true? Like, how do we know that these these events actually happened? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much. Because these are stories. These are well, yeah. People think they're just stories and they're fiction, and they don't real. Like, no. The, the big argument was there was never like there's Dave, David, one of the key figures in the Bible. There's no proof that he was a real person. Yeah, there is. <laughs> like, they've archaeology has there is overwhelming amounts of evidence that have that prove the Bible to be true. Not mm-hmm. only historically. Um, factually, but like my, I mean, one of the biggest, the coolest things that I've just become interested in is just archaeology. Mm-hmm. Like for hundred, like for 
years and years and years, archaeologists have been digging in the Middle East, and they have yeah. never like they have never uncovered anything in the Middle East to prove the Bible not to be true. They only keep uncovering more, more. that proves the Bible to be true. Just for example, we went to the city of Magdalene, Mary Mary Magdalene, um, mm-hmm. just one of the Marys in the Bible during the time of Jesus. One of the things was like, well, Mary, she's known as Mary of Magdalene. We've never been able to find the city of Magdalene. They found the city of Magdalene this year, and we were there. So like we got to wow. go, we got to go to this freshly excavated city. It was a whole city just underground, and someone found it. And so it's just, it's just, it's honestly, when you look at it, it's just kind of like hard to deny. It's like how can you deny that none of this stuff happened? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like and there's stuff from Abraham. I mean, just yeah, it's it's awesome. So, because I was watching the video, so y'all went to like the sea, the mm-hmm. uh, the Dead Sea. Yeah, and is that where like that's where God encountered uh, some of the disciples and told them, you know, follow me because they were fishermen there, right? Or uh, Sea of Galilee, Galilee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And then, what, what were some of the most like? What, what were some of the things that you saw that like were just came to life when you saw it, and you're like. I can't believe I'm here. Yeah. Oh, uh, and it's uh, the Via Dolorosa, Latin for painful way, often translated way of suffering. Hebrew is a processional route in the old city of Jerusalem, believed uh-huh. to be the path that Jesus walked on his way to the crucifixion. Yes, I know. I know what you're thinking of. Yep. Uh, and we did, I believe we did. If it's where I'm thinking of, we did see it. Um so I one of the cool things, one of the fun things that I would you, you got to see the whaling the whaling wall. Whaling right? wall. Mm-hmm. God man. That's, so that's yeah, and that oh that was a whole other part of that trip that was just awesome. So not only were we seeing things that proved the Bible to be true and just like experiencing mm-hmm. that, but just experiencing culture and experiencing like, you know, the Jewish um you know, the Jewish religion. Like mm-hmm. I had never really been exposed to that. Um yeah, and gotten to witness it that up close. Like we got to go to a synagogue one day and like just mm-hmm. be, be in there while they did a service and it was just it was like, it was really cool, but it was like awesome. that was the religion that Jesus based. Oh, absolutely. And then he, I, you know, people said, whoa, this is the real rabbi because mm-hmm. they called him rabbi. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, and it's just, it's honestly kind of sad, um, you know, just being a Christian and seeing that because, you know, there's a, there was a part in their service where there's, you know, they're literally rocking back and forth like this. I'm trying not to do it because the microphone will feedback, but oh. like they're just rocking back and forth. And like, we were just kind of like, and everything they're speaking is in Hebrew and Arabic. So mm-hmm. we're just like, or for them, probably Hebrew. And I was just like, we asked our tour guide, you know, what are they doing? And, um, you know, he told us, he's like, you know, they're praying for the Messiah to come. Like they're basically like, because one of the commands in the Old Testament, because they only believe um, Genesis to Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. That's their Bible. That's the Torah. Yeah. Because um, Moses was the, mm-hmm. and David mm-hmm. was the, was their gods, right? Uh, it was their gods. I thought it was David. David right. came after uh, came after Deuteronomy. Okay, yeah. So, but basically, when Moses was given the law, mm-hmm. um, like that's that they're they're still like um, that's it. That's what that's it. Like that's what they're still trying to live by. Okay. Um, and so they only believe Genesis through Deuteronomy. Um, to be now, I'm sure sort of they you know they see factual stuff and they think they acknowledge Jesus, but they acknowledge him just as another teacher. Yeah. Um, I think there was another. Uh, God, I'm gonna, another episode of The Simpsons where uh, Krusty the Clown, his dad, they found him, and he was a uh, he was a rabbi. Mm, no and so, way. And so Bart was like trying to talk to him about his son and bring him back together. And uh, he's like, "Well, what about Jesus, man?" And he goes, 
Jesus, we like this guy. Yeah. We, we think he was a good man, yeah. but we don't believe he was the Messiah. Yeah, no. And so. that's that's really it. They don't believe Jesus to be the Messiah. No. Um, but when, I mean, it's just, so as a Christian, seeing them, and like they're literally begging for the Messiah to come. Like uh-huh. they, they pray every day for God to send his Messiah. And, you know, I believe he's already come. And, yeah. and a reason why I believe that is because there were over 300 prophecies of Christ in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Christ predicted all, like, Christ fulfilled all of them. Like he, I mean, it's just. <laughs> no, not that guy. <laughs> and and there's still, there's still, there's still literally half of them to be fulfilled that yeah. are, you know, and that are going to come in Revelation. And so it's just, um, yeah, it's just, it's just hard to deny. And it's like, you know, we asked Keith, um, you know, like, well, why, like, why, why don't they believe, you know? And it's even kind of like God even kind of, or, you know, scripture even attributes to that a little bit, how like, you know, their hearts have been hardened um, mm-hmm. and it's just a hardness of heart. You know, they just, and you know, in revelation, not to keep harping on revelation, but you know, cause there's, no, no. it's, it's just really deep and there's a lot to go into it, but there is a part of it that does describe how like, you know, um, I think it's 12,000 Jews from each tribe of Israel mm-hmm. that will come back. So 144,000, 12 times 12, 144,000 Jews will come to believe and will come to faith, um, in the end. Um, but that's kind of a different topic. But getting back to Israel, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's easy to get sidetracked. There's a lot of moving pieces there to is. this. But getting back to Israel is a great trip. Um, the culture, getting exposed. Um, I think you're back to your uh, one of your first questions of just kind of like some of the places that I saw. One of the coolest things and the funnest things for me on this trip was that I wasn't even planning on doing when I got there was um, I just started documenting this stuff on my Instagram. Um, yeah. And, you know, we'd go to a site and I would, one of the coolest things we did, like, you know, every site we went to, we opened up in scripture to where that site was. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to cir- I circle it in my blue pen and put the date. So now like everywhere in here where there's a circle and the blue date, um, that's just where I was. Mm-hmm. And so we would read it. And so I would kind of like copy and paste that scripture and post it to the picture um, and post it. And so like, yeah. before I knew it, like two days into my trip, I had, I was getting so many messages back yeah, from people just being like, this is awesome. Like, I've never seen this. Like, keep on, will you keep doing this? And I was like, sure. And so sure enough, throughout the trip, I just kept doing it on my Instagram. And so- I loved seeing it. Oh, it was so funny. I think that's what ultimately and, what you saw. And I was like, oh, God, there was the pride going like, I want to be there. I want to oh, yeah. see it. I want to, I, I want to check this out. And it's like, oh man, I, I love to travel, but I yeah. love to, to when I see somebody who I know is like gone there and be like, what is it like? Oh, yeah. What is it just, man? So, what, what was the most, what was the most moving thing? Mm. What like got to you? Because I know you cannot go on a trip like this. What you're doing, what you're seeing, and it not like just get to you. What was it? Yeah, the Garden Tomb. Uh, and so the Garden Tomb is the tomb where Jesus was laid. Um, and that was our very last site on the very last day of our trip. Like we went from the garden tomb to dinner to our plane, like to come back home. And so it was the perfect, but it was, it was the, oh, good. I'd be like, I think you need a, like a moment of reflection after oh, that. We, oh, we, oh, we so, had some. Yeah, so for can, sure. Is it roped off or like you? Mm-mm, we went right in. We got to go in the garden tomb. And so um, just a little bit of background before I go into this, because like we were going me and my roommate, um, I had an awesome roommate. Um, he's in the Air Force. He was in my sister's institute class, actually. And he's actually stationed in Italy. Okay. And so he 
flew to Israel to meet us there and he was on the trip with us. And so cool. by like our third day of the trip, we were going to these sites and I think both of us had kind of gotten a lot of people on the trip affirmed this too, but both of us were kind of going into like this trip expecting like, oh, we're going to encounter Jesus in these sites and we're going to yeah. feel his presence in every site we go to. And that's not necessarily true. Like we, mm-hmm. we by the third day we were kind of like, I don't necessarily feel anything different. And so Nate was kind of like, okay, well let's think about this. Like Jesus said, when he was here, um, it's in one of his gospels, Jesus said, um, you know, when he was here, he would be all that we needed. But then when he left, he would leave us his Holy Spirit that resides inside of us forever. Mm -hmm. And so we can't keep walking into these places thinking that we're going to encounter Jesus there because he's not there. He's here. He's inside of us and he's Mm -hmm. with us always. He's here just as he's just as much here as he was with us in America. And so it's like, all right, let's adopt that mindset and going into it's like, you know, the why expe- do we come back to my room? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, exactly. So the expectation, you know, going into these sites was no longer, okay, I want to go into this experiencing and like, you know, I'm going to encounter Jesus. No, yeah. the, the expectation began to be like, all right, Lord, like, what would you have me experience in these sites? Yeah. Um, you know, that was kind of just, you know, for me personally, that was my mm-hmm. prayer going into it. And so once we adopted that mindset, that kind of, you know, change the perspective of the rest of the trip. And so all of that leading up to the garden tomb, which was the very last, um, yeah, the very last site we saw, um, was so worth it because we had been to all these sites we had been to. And like, you know, there's a lot of them. If anyone wants to see my story, LJ underscore DP is my Instagram hashtags or my Instagram name. So feel free to go give me a follow. And, uh, do you have it on your highlights? Yeah, it's in my highlights. Uh, just Israel is what the highlight is called. So just look at it. Um, but we get to the garden tomb and the garden tomb and Golgotha right next to each other. Golgotha is the, the place where Jesus was crucified. Mm -hmm. Um, and the tomb it belonged to someone else mm-hmm. and he volunteered it. Yeah. Uh, he gave it to, he, so it belonged to this rich man who had, just uh, Joseph who uh, had given it to him, um, as, wait, did I get that right? Joseph Ramathia? Yeah. Um, I might be getting him confused with the guy who helped Jesus carry the cross, but anyway, um, they, um, yeah, so it was this rich man and it was his tomb and he gave it to, you know, he, he basically asked Pilate for Jesus's body, took it down and placed the body in this tomb. Now there's a couple of different speculations on where the tomb was. And even the people at the garden tomb that we went to, mm-hmm. they were very upfront and being like, Hey, we don't know 100% that this is the tomb. We have a lot of reasons to believe that it, it is, is the tomb yeah. because of the location, because of the way it's, because of the construction of it, it's dated back to the same time. And there's no one in it. Like, I mean, so yeah, the no this tomb has been empty for 2000 years. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, um, there's also a location, um, that, uh, the Catholic religion, um, like believes that, that it's in another location as well. We went to that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to say which one's right, which one's wrong. I know from like, just from what I believe to be the presence of the Holy spirit at the garden tomb, like just, that was it because getting to what, like, that was kind of the overwhelming part of the trip yeah. because we had an awesome guide um, at that point who led us to Golgotha um, and kind of just like, you know, we were literally looking at the place where so y'all were the, up on a mountain. We weren't um, up on it. So y'all, they, it's like, there it is. I mean, oh. yeah, it's like right there. Um, okay. It's the place where they believe to be Golgotha because what's interesting about that is, um, you know, is Jerusalem, the holy city, is also has a big Jewish population. It also has a big Muslim population, mm-hmm. and so 
Um, and the Muslim, the Muslims have really tried hard to cover this site up. Um, there is a Muslim cemetery on top, um, of Golgotha now. And with a, with a, Arabic inscription on the wall around the cemetery that says there is no God, but Allah. Um, that's what it translates to. And so again, no one's going to say like, that's the spot. Um, the Muslim, the Muslims really don't believe that's the spot. Um, a lot of people don't believe that's the spot, Mm -hmm. but, um, again, when you look at the evidence, when you look at, um, there's somebody going, look, here's everything. That's the spot. And I mean, Golgotha translates to place of the skull. And a lot of people, you know, say it was like that because there's, and, and there's basically a rock formation in the in the in the side of the cliff that looks like a skull. Damn, um, it's crazy. I think that may have been one of the pictures I had in that uh, highlight. And so, the book of oh, I've got to get my Bible out for this one. Sorry. Okay, your other. This is you've because, got two Bibles. I've got <laughs> I've got a personal one, and this is my study one that the institute okay. gave us. But this is the one I took with me to Israel, and. Um, Golly, I think it's the uh, I think it's the book of Luke that um, it's either Luke or Mark. Oh, it's Mark. Um, and so this is again. Oh, so here's a this is a that's the garden tomb, um, in that picture. And so, um, basically, the book of Mark, Mark chapter sixteen, gives us a description. This is kind of giving evidence of why they believe this to be the tomb. Okay. Um, because I'm reading from Mark sixteen. Um, starting at verse three, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from us at the entrance? This is when Mary and Mary are going back mm-hmm. to the tomb right. to, you know, check out the, the body of Jesus on the third day. This right. is three days after he's been crucified. Easter? Uh, Easter day, yes. <laughs> that would have been easier to say. <laughs> and uh, looking up, they saw the stone that had been rolled back, and it was very large, and, enter- and entering the tomb, um, they saw a young man sitting on the right side. So what's unique about this tomb that's different from other tombs in the area, you know, cause usually you had tombs that were constructed, you know, you had a foyer room and then walk straight back and that's where you place the body. Mm-hmm. This tomb was constructed to where you had a foyer room to prepare the body, but then the only place to put the body was to the right. Okay. So, and it's very detailed here in Mark. It says entering the tomb, they looked to the right where the body would have been. And there wasn't the body of Jesus. There was the angel. So just another little piece of evidence that just, um, a, a reason to believe that like this could be the tomb again, yeah. I'm not saying hundred percent certainty that it is the tomb, but here's the, the, and this is why it was my favorite site because our tour guide was like, you know, he presented all this. Oh, sorry. Hit, oh, the, mic, hit the microphone. He presented all this to us. He um, shared it with us and he was just like, you know, this could be the tomb. It could not, but D- does the other site have that? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, just another reason to believe, but, um, okay. but regardless of like that site's the tomb, this site's the tomb. His point was, you know, it's it's not the tomb that's significant. It's the fact that the tomb is empty that's significant. Mm. Because, you know, the angel said, you know, and back in Mark 16, he says, you know, um, why do you like why are you here? You seek Jesus. He is not here. He is not in here. So if he's not in here, meaning in the tomb, it means he's out there, like outside of the tomb. And he is still outside of the tomb today. Yeah. Like that's the point. And that's the whole, that's the beauty of Easter, which was literally last weekend for us. Mm-hmm. Like the beauty of Easter is that, you know, the fact that Christ died on the cross and he rose again and beca- because he rose again, like that finishes it for us. That seals our redemption, that seals yeah. salvation. The fact that he literally defeated death. 
Mm. So it's not, it's not just that Christ died and our sins atoned for. No, but the fact that he rose again secures the fact that we don't, we won't die. If you believe and come to, if you come to believe and come to faith in him, then you won't die. You will have eternal life in heaven with him. And that is what the significance of the tomb being empty is. And so he presented, basically he shared the gospel with us from this perspective, from the perspective of the empty tomb. Mm -hmm. And it was something I'd never heard before. And, you know, that's when it got emotional. That's when it got moving. And it's just like, that's when I really, and a lot of us began to felt the Holy Spirit stir within us because it's not just an emotional place. It's not because it really wasn't, you know, they tried really hard. They don't make it. I mean, one thing it's not what it's not what I'd imagine. Yeah. It's not like, I mean, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of stuff pointing to it. Like, Hey, check out this tune. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there's not a lot like drawing attention to it. It's just there. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, we got to walk in and I didn't take any pictures inside of it because Mm -hmm. I really didn't want to. I just wanted to, I just really wanted to take that moment in and so we step in. Well, one thing I'm sure. Before. I'm sure you it wouldn't have been cool, like chilling where where you at, Jesus. I know. You don't yeah, want a no, selfie. No, no, yeah. And, oh my god. But <laughs> it was one, one funny thing. One funny thing that happened. Like so, before I walk in, and like it, we're all quiet, we're all somber, and just like just kind of taking it in, like yeah, and like I mean, yeah, I mean that's just that's really why I believe why I personally believe this to be the tomb, just because like the Holy Spirit's presence there was overwhelming um, to an emotional point, and it was just. Um, one girl literally come. One girl in our group, she comes out. She she went in ahead of me, and she comes out, and she's like crying, like through tears, and like smiling and laughing. She's like, "Y'all, he's really not in there." It's just, <laughs> it was just funny, and so, um, I mean, we so we go in, and like you literally just see there's there were actually three um there are three cutouts in the ground where you put the bodies, and so when Joseph Farimathea built this tomb, he had constructed it for him and his family, right? Um, but you know there was Jesus's body was put in there first, and so. Yeah, it was just so. That's the part of the trip that really um, kind of everything was built up towards. Have they found tombs around here mm-hmm. with people in them? Yeah. So this isn't okay. the only tomb that they found, right? Um, but, but this th- was the only empty one. Not, uh, not even necessarily the only empty one. Okay. Um, I think there have been a couple. I mean, yeah, I don't know 100 percent on that, but they found other tombs, some full, some not. Um, and, but because of the location of this one, mm-hmm. like how close it is to Golgotha, I think it's, it's another gospel. I don't know if it's Mark, but it's one of the gospels that literally says now near the place where Jesus was crucified was a garden. And in that garden was a tomb. This is the garden, garden next to this. This is the garden next to Golgotha. Yeah. Next to cause it, I mean, just the pictures around, you know, the yeah. vegetation. Well, yeah. And some of that's yeah, been planted, but, and, yeah. um, but like just when you, I mean, I didn't realize how detailed scripture was to these locations um, Mm -hmm. to where like every time I see a descriptive detail, like now it says like when I'm reading my Bible now near Golgotha, okay, I'm underlining near was the garden. Okay. I'm going to circle garden. And in that garden was a tomb. Okay. Like literally that's all this in one picture. Golgotha is garden tomb. And so like, it just, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. Anyway, to get to your original question, which site was one of my favorites, I guess this, it was, Definitely the garden tomb. And like, again, just another, it just, it, it does give you a picture to when you go back and I read the Easter story. Like I literally yeah. last weekend I read, I woke up and read Mark 16 because of this picture and because I had been there and because I just, I mean, can you imagine Jesus stepping out of that, out of that frame? Yeah. And just, I mean, can't imagine. I just, ah, it's, it's tremendous. Cause there were guards outside of it and they found yeah. them sleeping. Yeah. And they were sleeping. Yeah. 
got knocked out by the spirit. Yeah, it's crazy. They haven't found the stone. If you notice in this picture, there's yeah, no stone. That, that's they, what I, <laughs> they didn't. They haven't found the stone to this. But point. I'm sure at some point somebody like. Yeah, I mean it's it's a wheel, so probably roll. Yeah. <laughs> someone could roll it away if they had enough people. But um, so yeah, I mean ultimately Israel and Keith and Karen, like I, this, they they've led that. They go to that. They've like they lead that trip every year um, that they're at the Institute. And so they've, this was their 18th time to go. And so they had it down. Like we literally covered that country from um, top to bottom. We stopped in wow. a lot. We were there for 10 days. We stopped in a lot. We got to run a 5k in a lot. I saw that. Yeah. That's oh, cool. It was a blast. That'll be the, the food. Uh, the food was good. Um, it's a lot of bread. It's a yeah. lot of bread because a lot of the meals over there are kosher, which basically yeah. means, you know, like meat and dairy can't go together. Um, and so, it's, uh, it's, it was a lot of breads, um, like by day eight or nine, like I just couldn't have any more bread. I mean, I, I love bread. Like, yeah. I mean, my mom has recognized that I love bread ever since I was a kid. And I told her when I got back, I'm like, I can't eat bread for another month. Yeah. Um, cause we had it so much here. Um, but food was good. I did. Oof. Uh, I did get sit pretty sick when I got back. Um, I just because I ate some meat that was undercooked on our last oh. day. And so I was, you know, had to go to the hospital at one point. It was oh, not great. <laughs> it was not good. Uh, they, they, you know, they sampled, they I mean, they took a test out of everything that came out of my body pretty much and came back. I had a, I had Campylobacter, which is like a, it's basically just a really severe type of food poisoning oh, that you man. get from undercooked meat. And so they're like, all right, well, you get it from exposure to farm animals or undercooked meat. And I'm like, they're like, have you had exposure to both? And I'm like, I kind of have. We rode camels in Israel <laughs> a couple of days before oh, we left. Camels. And then, but like, I'm pretty sure it was the meat because I was not the only one to make a comment on the meat. And then four, I think it was four other people on the trip also got sick when I got okay. back. What um, kind of meat was it? It was chicken. I th- okay. It was either chicken or meat they, uh, or some kind of steak. They served okay. them both together. It was like some big kebabs uh, um, that... I mean, yeah, I remember it. <laughs> and I had the thought when I was eating, I'm like, this is pretty pink. <laughs> oh, dang. But I was like, I'm too hungry. I regret it. Well, oh, well. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you got to experience this, man. And I'm glad that you came and talked about this with us. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is just a, oh, man, I got to put it on my bucket list. Oh, yeah. It should be, you know, but... It should be on you know, everyone's, and even if you're not a believer. Like, I mean, go, go see, go check it out. I mean, but look, you, you're, not a, you're not a Jewish person, but you got to go experience that and check oh, that yeah. out. And I mean, that's, that's how you grow as a person, and that's how you actually understand it. It's so like, all right, let's take this perspective of it and what they're saying and take a look at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't do that, you're just closing yourself off. Yeah, I so, would love, like, one day, whenever I, I mean, you know, get older and have the resources or whatever, I would love to, like, lead a trip back. Like, lead a trip of my own. Because, mm-hmm. like, after seeing Keith and Karen do it, and, yeah, I know it's not easy by any means. Shoot, this was their 18th time to go. They make it look easy. Mm-hmm. But I would love to go back and, you know, lead a trip of all my friends and family at one point, you know, they'd just be, let's do it. I'd be down. Let's plan. I think it'd be fun. Get all of us together. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We we won't go to that place where you had the chicken. No, no, (laughs) stay away. Stay far away. Oh gosh. Oh man. Well, dude, Oh, we've been at this for about an hour now and, 
we've covered so much and I know we're probably going to have to come back on this because I'm going to have more questions. I'm just going to, I'm just going to come up with stuff and be like, I need to ask LJ about this. No, anytime. I really didn't know what I was going to say or expect (laughs) coming into this, but because I mean, I've been, I mean, it's been almost two months since Israel and it's been, um, I've only, I mean, I graduated last week from the Institute. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, so, and, and we kind of talked about it. So then you had to sit down to do, to graduate. You had mm-hmm. to sit down across the table from seven people. Yeah. And defend your faith. Yeah. So that's the, that's basically the culmination of the Institute. Um, the, our, it's not really finals, but our final, mm-hmm. if you will, um, is called panels. And so I walk into a conference room. I sit at this big conference table. Uh, I'm on one side of it. I'm the only one on the side of it. And then across from it on the other side are seven people, um, my panel. Mm-hmm. And this panel of people. Um, Fern, did they pick seven because of seven's the number in the Bible? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I should have asked that, but I don't know. I think I think the numbers varied for some people. It just depended on avail- okay. availability, <laughs> availability of some of the panel members. How many we got today? Eight. Only need seven. <laughs> see if they catch it as long as it's not six um (laughs) but uh, so yeah i sit on the side and um for an hour i just you know i have to defend my faith and i only walk in there with my bible um and you know they asked me i think they asked two questions pertaining to the belief statement each belief statement that we had written Mm -hmm. so we wrote 10 belief statements i got at least 20 questions including some extra questions over some lifeline topics um that i got that i had written in the fall like Mm -hmm. uh alcohol you know, marriage, things like that. Um, and so what's the thought on alcohol? Um, I definitely got asked that question because uh, that has to do with my future career. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. And so, um, I'll get on that one in a second, but, um, cause I, I think you, you made it, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to ask about that in regards to what I was going to do next. Um, yeah, but well, well, I'll tell you my story after that, but <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, just, to, yeah. So that was panels. Um, you know, for an hour, I just defended my faith, uh, in front of these seven panel members. And then, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was super intimidating walking into it, but it was such a rewarding and encouraging experience because to literally walk away from that, I mean, and not like not prideful. My prayer throughout all of this was like, Lord, I don't want to like, don't boost my pride through this because it's not about how much I know. Cause we know like, how that worked out for that. Yeah. Like, guy. I mean, literally like, <laughs> pride is pride was the downfall. Like pride is the downfall. It was the original sin. And like, you know, you know, we all struggle with pride. I mean, every mm-hmm. single person does, but you know, my prayer is like, and I don't consider myself any better than anybody else because I've gone to the Institute because I know no one needs to go to the Institute. Like, and I like, I love the Institute. I'm biased. I think everyone should cool go through if it. You did. It'd be cool if you did, but you know, no one, <laughs> no one needs to go to the Institute. My mentor, my, the guy who discipled me in college, who I looked up to, um, maybe more than anybody else in my life. Like I mean, he didn't go to the Institute. But, um, so yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's the point of that. Um, so I don't say any of that to boost my own pride in anything. I just, you no. know, the Lord blessed me with the opportunity to go to the Institute this year. And it was tremendous. Were there any questions when you were defending that kind of like, oh man, how am I going to, how am I going to, de- th- how am I going to answer this? <sighs> not really, not in the moment. Um, because we had spent a good time preparing okay. and like, you know, we've been studying it all year. So it was kind of like, you, you knew, I of, knew, yeah. Like I knew kind of what questions would be asked of me. Um, I mean, there's no way I knew exactly what questions, but I kind of knew the topics. And mm-hmm. so I just spent a lot of time studying and preparing over those topics and really just tried to, I didn't, I didn't want to treat it like a test because it wasn't a test. I just wanted to treat it like a conversation. Um, because that's a, big, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Because like they were asking legitimate questions that, you know, I probably will be asked, um, mm-hmm. as I advance in my, in my walk and as I advance in, you know, 
you know, I hope to encounter people who have those questions mm-hmm. because, um, and I hope I get to have conversations with people about them because, yeah. you know, in no, in no way am I responsible for someone's salvation and bringing someone to, mm-hmm. you know, come to know the Lord. You know, that's, that's the Lord's work, not mine. But, you know, yeah. 1 Corinthians um, 6 talks about, you know, we're just called to cast and plant seeds. Yeah. And so I just want to be a person who plants seeds. Um, and so, so yeah. So what about alcohol? <laughs> so yeah, that was a, that was a question I got um, you know, because it has to, and so just, um, I'm going to be going to Sarasota, Florida from here to work mm-hmm. for it, uh, and Anheuser-Busch distributor, um, uh, for a couple of years before, um, you know, hopefully coming back here. And so that was the thing that I wrestled with, um, this year, you know, I kind of felt the Lord calling me towards that industry, mm-hmm. um, ever since my sophomore year of college, uh, did I really start to feel that call? And, you know, the path was kind of there just ever since me growing up, just because, yeah. you know, it is, you know, a family business and things like that, um, or a part of my family's business. But, um, you know, never did I really think, you know, oh, well, I'm such a strong Christian, like alcohol, oh, no. yeah. yeah, alcohol can't go with that. Right. Um, but you know, I got to wrestle with that topic a little bit this year and it was good. So, um, when I, who, the person who asked me that question on my panel was a guy who knew me well, knows, yeah. like, no, know, knows what I'm going into. And so he, he first had me share with the panel, you know, what am I doing after the Institute? And so I told them and, you know, I got some eyebrow raises and like, okay, like, yeah. how do you, how do you reconcile with that? And so I was like, well, you know, first um, Corinthians ten twenty three says, um, you know, for all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. And so for me, um, well, before I get to that, before I dissect that a little bit, you know, scripture is clear that, you know, drinking alcohol is not a sin. Uh, it's not. Now, drunkenness is a sin. Mm-hmm. That's pretty clear um, when, in the Bible. Um, so for me, that's, you know. Eating pizza isn't a sin. No. Eating Glut- it, gluttony, gluttony so is a sin. Eating gluttony is a whole exactly. pizza, it's exactly. like you don't do anything else. Exactly. Um, so yeah, and you mean, you could make that with any any product. Yeah. Any, I mean, think of anything. Um, so, so I take that, you know, so, okay, so drinking alcohol is not a sin. You know, Ecclesiastes 9, 7 says, you know, drink and be, drink and be merry, you know, enjoy your life, but there's mm-hmm. a limit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so drinking is not a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. Now I go to first Corinthians ten twenty three. It says all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All right. So for me, and the question specifically was for me, you know, how do I reconcile, you know, being a strong, such a strong Christian while also working in this industry and distributing a product that people could ultimately go and use to, you know, do whatever mm-hmm. they want with. And so for me, it's like, all right, well, um, it'd be, it's a really, it's a balance of, okay, well, how do I, um, cause scripture also tells us, you know, don't be a stumbling block to others. So, okay. Yeah. Drinking might not be an issue for me. Um, like mm-hmm. alco- I'm not an alcoholic, but I don't know who around me is. And yeah. so how do I, you know, reconcile not being a stumbling block to someone while being a Christian. And so I take that verse, you know, and I have to defend, I, I have to kind of you know, with discernment from the Holy Spirit, I, what does it mean to be profitable in this situation? And so, um, for me, I don't consider drinking alcohol to be what is profitable. I consider the opportunity that it gives me to bring light to a dark demographic. Um, so meaning, you know, a lot of the places where I'm going to be working and a lot of the relationships that I'm going to form as I continue to work in this industry, um, they're just, they're not light places. There's not a lot of light in that, in those places. And what I mean mm-hmm. by light is just, there's not a lot of, um, um, there's just not a lot of, uh, Jesus <laughs> in those places. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I hate that. I hate how cliche I made that sound, but like, no, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it, 
so we're talking Anheuser Busch, Budweisers, Red yeah. Coats. I love them, mm-hmm. but some people view that and will think a barroom mm-hmm. drunkenness, mm-hmm. sloth, or you know anything like that. But it's can be anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the kind of person you are, mm-hmm. you know, in in that setting. There, there's a preacher around here who is doing a. He's doing sermons at the wineries and the Craft 96, mm-hmm. and he's doing different. It's like, hey, come have a beer yeah. or a glass of wine, and let's talk. Yeah. That's, that's what it could do. And that's what I want to do, honestly, because I feel like so many people have, like, there's the pre-consumption that, um, or, yeah, the preconceived You're notion. You're doing it to get drunk straight yeah. away. And so, like, if I am, you know, if I walk in and I have a beer with a customer or with a client, or with, you know, if I'm having a beer with yeah. a, one of my customers and I, I get the opportunity to share with them or they get to notice that, like, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that sparks, but they also see that I have a beer in my hand. They're like, well, how are you a Christian? Like, because I feel like just in today's yeah, culture, I've seen it enough to where like, oh, you're a Christian, you must not drink. Yeah. Well, that's not true because- And then you're going to judge me. Exactly. And so- um, you know, I consider that as that I consider that opportunity to like share my faith yeah. as profitable because that's not making it about me. Yeah. That's about like I mean, my hope is that I get my prayer, my hope ever since like I made me, me making the decision to go into this industry is that the Lord would use me to only, you know, bring light to Him. So, and that is also getting into where we're at today in the world, where you buy a product not because of the product itself, mm-hmm. which you still have to create a, a good product, which for me, Budweiser's up there. I've been <laughs> loving them since I was a kid. Yeah. Well, not a kid, but like, you know, 15, 16. I grew up in <laughs> Louisiana. We did things different. That's fair. But, no, no, um, <laughs> but <laughs> kind of lost my train of thought. For a second. <laughs> but where we are today in society is you're going to become known mm-hmm. and you're going to become known for your product. Mm-hmm. So like when, if just for example, this podcast. Mm-hmm. When I see my people, I want them to be like, "Yeah, he is a good old boy." That's why we listen to him because he brings on a bunch of different views, you know. Yeah. Uh, but for you, to someone who can say like, "Oh man, yeah, the Budweiser distributor guy," but he's a good Christian man, mm-hmm. and he he's a good person. He's not there out there doing this or that or something, you know. So, in any product do you do nowadays, if so for. Like supplements and protein, mm-hmm. I buy first form proteins. Yeah, because the guy who owns first form puts out all kind of great content and really motivating. And what he's doing and how he's trying to develop people and what he's doing, I like the message that he's putting out as a mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. So I follow his company. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there there's all kind of things like that, and that's the way we're going in society. Yeah, I mean, so, I think you nailed it, and you know, that was one of that. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, I mean, that was one of the follow-up questions I got was like, so how do you, it's like, yeah, I laid out before, like, it's not drinking alcohol that I consider profitable. It's the opportunity that it gives me to yeah, bring light to connection. this demographic. It's a connection. And then, um, you know, one of the follow-up questions I got was, you know, okay, so how do you reconcile laying your head down on the pillow at night um, while, pe- while people are potentially using your product to go out and, you know, whether it's get drunk or, you know, drunk drive and kill someone with, you know, just like commit sin with. And I was just like... I mean, it would be no different if I, if I sold guns for a living. And I've done that. Yeah, if I if I sold guns and they yeah. went out and shot someone with it, Look. or if they if I sold food and people went out and committed gluttony, which is another one of the seven deadly sins. Like, you mean, yeah. it does. It's I'm not ultimately responsible for people's actions and what they choose to use the product right. for, because that's not what the product was intended for. Yeah, it's not what the product was designed for. 
Um, and so, yeah, I think no, that's, that's, that is very quintessential in today's, you are not responsible for others' actions. Mm-hmm. You're not responsible for their choice. Mm-hmm. Would you prefer them to do something different? Maybe so. Maybe, you know, but at the same time, you know, you, you can't live your life on the thoughts and ideas of other people's actions, mm-hmm. other people's beliefs, and other people. You just have to be the best you. Mm-hmm. And you have to go forward doing that. Mm-hmm. And if it's at your job, or if it's at a hobby, or if it's out there like today where we were at that Little League park, and we're I've got five or six guys mm-hmm. trying to teach uh, 13 other kids, mm-hmm. ages five, six, seven, how to play baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to, that's what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. What are you putting out? Not what others are doing mm-hmm. with, others are doing that you have a connection to, but I'm trying to probably get it all wrong. But it's like, what are you putting out to make it better? Yeah, exactly. There it is. Yeah. So yeah, ultimately, I'm not responsible for their actions, but at the same time, I do have to take what Scripture says when it set, when it talks about you know don't being a stumbling block. And so yeah. I do have to properly discern. All right, what is is this profitable? Am I causing someone to stumble? So if I'm drinking with someone and I know and I you know come to realize that oh they're an alcoholic, I would see that as an opportunity. Hey, like. Like, yeah, I would, I would try to like, I mean, it doesn't, it's not a big deal. If it, if I have to stop drinking in order to continue to, you know, go on that path, like, and to help someone else get off of that, then I would do it. Like, it's not a, it's not an issue yeah. for me. I didn't mean, part of the Institute is, you know, they require us not to, they ask us and it's in our contract that we don't drink mm-hmm. throughout the eight months that we're there. Um, and so, you know, I didn't drink throughout my whole duration there. So it's not really, um, it's not really an issue for me, like not to drink. Um, mm-hmm. If I, you know, if I was, if I had to, if I, you know, if, if I'm, if I get to that point, um, it's just, you know, yeah. So I had to. Just, but you got to focus. Yeah. You got to have goals. You got to have ambitions. You got to yeah. have all that stuff. And when you lose sight of that, yeah, that's when things get hard. Exactly. That's when the that's when it starts piling on. Mm-hmm. And it's an opportunity to exercise self control. Exactly. Which, which Galatians five promise it says yeah. that's that's a fruit of the spirit is yeah. love joy peace patience self control I mean and there's more Boom. but yeah yeah I just went fifty three days without drinking I gave it hey, up for Leo that's and awesome and unfortunately Sunday there was a margarita <laughs> with sangria on my mind and uh, you know I was th- I was talking with a uh, our friends were there my wife and I was like. Oh man, I kind of want to have one of these, but I like the way I'm feeling all this stuff. And finally, my wife looked at me. She says, "Well, you just gonna make a damn decision. I don't want to hear another word about this because you are like a buzzkill." And I'm like, "I will have one." So and it was good, and I enjoyed it. And I was like, "All right," came home, had a couple of beers, and but enjoyed it. Played with the boys, and, and there's nothing wrong yeah, with that. No, not at all. No, no. If I had had gone a little too far, then maybe so. But yeah, that it, that wasn't what it is, and it, and I like the what it did. It it kind of reset my perspective. Yeah, and I think that's what people need sometimes—a reset of perspective. So absolutely. Anyway, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah we, we're good. We're gonna wrap this. <laughs> up. Oh yeah, we gotta wrap this. Up. <laughs> so LJ, uh, tell everybody you know where your Instagram, how they can follow you if you want anything yeah. you want to plug the Canacook Institute. If if you've got kids that want to, you want to send your kids to a great Christian based mm. camp. If you're getting ready to graduate from college or if you're looking for something in this you know let let them know yeah absolutely so um for anyone interested you know out there that listening that has kids and is looking to send them to uh, a camp from you know whether it's age 
I believe at the youngest age is age six uh, for some of those camps to age through age 18 at high school. Um, you know, Kennecut camps in Missouri. Um, it's, you know, it was foundational for me growing up as a kid um, ever since, you know, our mom was sending us to those camps. And so good job. If you're, yeah. <laughs> shout out to mom. Uh, and if you, yeah, if you're a college student listening to this or if you're a couple years out of college, even, and you're just looking um for an opportunity to grow in your faith and to, um, you know, really study the Bible and read it in a way that you never have before and take steps and strides in your faith walk. Um, then the Kenneth Cook Institute is an investment, you know, it is a price to go there, but, uh, it is investment that you will not, um, you will not regret. And that I will not, re- that I have not regret. Um, I have not regretted it to this point, but I can foresee, um, you know, truly playing out, um, to be tremendous and, my walk and in my working career, um, you know, and then, uh, as far as following me goes, all, all I really have is Instagram. Um, I had Twitter once upon a time, but uh, I've since mm-hmm. given that up. Um, I just didn't get on it as much and yeah. just wasn't, I mean, I like to follow people and look up news, but I don't post anything, yeah. so it wouldn't be worth following, but, uh, yeah, follow me on Instagram, LJ underscore DP. Um, LJ underscore DP is the, is the tag and uh, check out the Israel highlights in the top of my profile. And yeah, just thanks so much for having me on here. This was a lot of fun. Like uh, it was way more chill than I thought. Just, you know, like, I just enjoy it. It's not pressurable. Oh no, dude. I just enjoy, I mean, and honestly it it was a cool, it was a cool way for me to reflect over these past eight months that I just wrapped up and, you know, um, continues to, uh, yeah, build upon going to the future. So appreciate you having me on. Hope I get to come back on sometime. Yeah, you will, man. I appreciate it. We need to get all the cousins here and just have one big hoot. That'd be, uh, that'd be awesome. I got to get them. But man, thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing your, uh, your journey, your faith, your walk. Uh, I, I personally have, Really enjoy this, and now I gotta go. You know, I gotta go do some more reflecting and reading on stuff, and start planning, putting some money aside for a trip to Israel. Cause oh, dude, I, I want to yeah. go. We're gonna go. Absolutely. Let's, let's make. We're, we're gonna down. go. Let's do it. It's uh, ne- and it's never like in. I mean, yeah, it's never about how much. Like, one, I just feel the need to say this. I don't know why, but it's never about how much you know. Again, this is me trying to fight the pride, uh, but it's never about how much you know. It's all about the relationship. There and, it is. You know, that's the biggest thing I've taken away this year. I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot of knowledge, but you know, the biggest thing that I took away from this year is you know a closer, more intimate relationship with the Lord. Good. I'm glad, man. Yeah. Well, everybody, that was Mr. L.J. Dale Papa, uh, straight back from Israel. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And to all my listeners, if you're a uh, first time tuning in, I hope that you enjoyed this one. Uh, if you're a returning listener, I hope you enjoyed it also. Thank you all very much for tuning in. As always, please go follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, just good old boy podcast. You can find us on our website. And if you know a good old boy, send him our way. If you are a good old boy and you got a topic you want to talk about, come sit in, sit down. We'd love to hear you. As always, again, subscribe, like. Thank you. Say hi to your mom and them. LJ, God bless you, bud. Love you. Appreciate it.